I um, I am excited to be back with y'all. I have missed y'all for some time. Uh, one of the things that I use is a a a tool called a commentary, and uh, a commentary is a book that helps you understand the Bible a little bit more. And um, and I have a few of those commentaries. One of those commentaries uh, I have is one called the African Bible Commentary. And uh, it's been a, a, a blessing to me as the InterVarsity Press has been, the Word has been, there's a bunch of commentaries, but this one is a, a blessing to me. And let me know if, if you've been born before, you ain't got to tell us exactly, if you were born before uh, 1991, raise your hand. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go, there we go. A uh, couple of us in the room. Uh, this situation I'm going to read to you comes from uh, a writer or a contributor to the African Bible commentary. Uh, this gentleman's from uh, Ethiopia. Like if you were to kind of draw Africa and you got the horn there, come under. Ethiopia is over here um, by the horn. And um, yeah, I want you to hear how he intros Hebrews. He says, the message of Hebrews was a great encouragement for many believers during the communist era in Ethiopia, which was from 1974 to 1991. Both the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and the communist government were deeply suspicious of truly born-again believers. They regarded them as agents of American imperialism, and thus they were a threat to the nation. They were seen as betraying the traditional national religion by adhering in to an imported foreign religion. The communists, aided by the Orthodox Church, made several fierce attempts to indoctrinate Christian, Christians in Marxist philosophy. Trained communist cadres engaged in relentless effort to reform the thinking of born-again believers so that they would renounce their faith in Christ. Life became extremely difficult for Christians. Many, including the writer of this commentary, were imprisoned, tortured, and some even put to death. Others suffered discrimination and were denied jobs and had their property confiscated and their bank accounts frozen. Churches lost assets and were forced to go underground. A new network of small churches sprang up throughout the country to contend for the true faith in Christ in defiance of communism and religious traditions. However, under this intense persecution, some believers went back. Some went to the ritualistic national orthodox religious system. A few members of the house churches also turned out to be spies for the communist cadres, but the faithful ones, they stood firm in Christ. In those dark days, the Ethiopian believers were encouraged by the message of the book of Hebrews, and its message still speaks to all who face challenges, challenges posed by the orthodox system, challenges posed by posed by the African traditional religion, the day-to-day -day temptations of worldly passions, and for those that are in Muslim countries in Africa, the pressure of extremely difficult situations. The letter to the Hebrews calls on believers to make a bold commitment to Christ, even in the face of public abuse, even in the face of imprisonment, 
even in the face of loss of property. They should not give in to discouragement and weariness, but should continue to contend for the faith. This is from uh, one of the main editors and contributors to the African Bible Commentary. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for you. We know that persecution happens all over the world. Persecution happens to the believer. And that persecution looks different in different environments. And we'll be talking through that as we travel through our series in Hebrews. But Lord, what you want us to do is to hold firm to our faith. And may we, Lord, be encouraged both by biblical accounts of people of faith, but also, Lord, by modern day accounts of people of faith that say you are worth our all. Lord, we trust you. Guide this time. Allow your word to be preached. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. There are uh, some rules, family, that I want to kind of set out so that we can understand how to get the most out of the book of Hebrews, all right? How to get the most out of the book of Hebrews. There's going to be four, 44 quick rules, all right? Here we go. Four, okay, four quick rules. Number one, the unknown can make us feel known. The unknown can make us feel known. What I mean by that is the, the book of Hebrews is one where we don't know exactly who the writer is. We also don't know exactly what the people were going through. And that in some ways allows each of us that may have been challenged in our own way to, to identify with this group, to understand what it looks like to have challenge, to have some type of pushing. And so you may be able to relate because it's not the clearest as to what challenge is taking place, but that challenge may be something you can identify with. So please uh, allow yourself to connect with the author and Hebrews that this book was written to. Number two, it's a book of encouragement. Sometimes when you are feeling down, you need somebody to have your back. You need someone uh, to believe even when you may not be able to. And so this is a book of encouragement. So as you read it, read it with the, the, the writer wanting the most for you, wanting God to communicate in a way that spurs on our faith. Number three, the goal of quoting the Old Testament is to exalt Jesus Christ. Now, that's not how we quote. Today, when we quote, we quote for accuracy. We quote to make sure the I is dotted with the proper spacing of the dot. We want to make sure that the commas, like, like we quote for accuracy. That's not his goal. The goal of this author is to say, ooh, Old Testament, see God moving. Let me make sure Jesus gets put there so you can make the connection that Jesus moves and operates just like, he, like God did in the Old Testament. You see that beautiful imagery? So he wants you to see a beautiful thread, not make sure that the words are accurate. And so when you look back at a lot of texts in Isaiah and Psalms that the author quotes, they won't be verbatim. That's okay, because that's not his goal. His goal is that you would see a connection to Christ. And lastly, this book is for you. If you are a person that has ever been through or are currently going through some trials, 
If you are feeling some temptations to leave the faith or your faith, if you are just even a believer who's tired, just feeling exhausted on your Christian walk, the book of Hebrews is for you. And so as sometimes the book is settled in history, you can be like, oh, well, that was them back then. No, no, no. This is for us today. So just a four things that will help our minds grasp the, the book of Hebrews as we continue to, to dive in. Y'all ready to dive in? Let's look in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But the son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all, they will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them like a robe, like a garment they are, will be changed, but you remain the same and your, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The word of the Lord. Y'all like, Pastor, what is going on? We talking about angels. We talking about. <laughs> Join with me. We, we're looking at first verse. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in many various areas. The writer does something right out the gate to let you know that he is one of them. He is a Hebrew. He is connected. He says, our ancestors. Something subtle that, that would make those that are a part of his community realize that there's a connection, that he gets us. He's not speaking to us. He is one of us that can speak to our situation. I remember when I was a uh, first generation going to college and I'm in college trying to figure out, like, how do I do this financial aid thing? Because they told me about college. I went to college and then they sent me a bill and that bill was like, hoo-hoo, okay, well, what, what, what are we about to do? And so I had no idea what to do. I, what is financial aid? Like, stop cussing at me saying FAFSA. Like, I don't know what we're talking about here. So in my, like, despair, one of the homies was like, look, 
Come on, man. We're going to go talk to our homie, Willie. Our homie? Who's our homie? Who is Willie? Well, Willie was the only black man in the financial aid office. And when you walked in, Willie would say, hey, I know this is all confusing to you. I was there. He was there. We're going to get you tight. And it was almost like, I could, I could rest. They understood the stress I carried. They understood the worry I had, and they had a solution. This writer is doing the same thing. He's saying, hey, our father, I'm letting you know that, that the God that you serve, the one that you have put your faith in, the one that has been moving since time, I too worship him. He is my father as well. We are a community that is going to connect with this God of the past that has spoken to our ancestors. Now, he says this term spoken. And uh, spoken is a, a, a term that's unique because many faiths believe that you can speak to God. Many faiths believe that God is present and he is ever listening. We're a little bit more unique. We actually believe God speaks back. That God's voice is actually something that, that we ask God a question and then wait, prostrate before him, desiring an answer. It's, it's beautiful when you hear John say in chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And Isaiah 30 says, and, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. People used to ask me like, Leon, when did you know you was a Christian? And, uh, and I, I can't tell you the day that I knew that, that like, I, I just can't tell you that day. What I can tell you is when I was in uh, elementary school, my Sunday school teacher taught us that the Holy Spirit dwells in you, boy. You don't have a conscience that tells you to do good things. That's the Holy Spirit that tells you to do right things. And I remember mama saying, don't go past that house. And I'll be like, we're going. I'm going. And as soon as I get to the house, I'm like, that voice like, don't do it. Mama said, don't do it. And I've told y'all this story a few different times that I just, as far as back as I can remember having some freedom, I remember trying to listen to that voice. Was I a Christian then? The Holy Spirit was working, I'll tell you that. And I would, I have example after example of the Lord saying, don't go, I don't go. Everybody come back like, man, good thing you ain't go. <laughs> Gino got bit by a dog. Day Day fell on some glass. Like it'd be like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, okay. And it was crazy that the more I listened to that voice, the more God would care and watch after me and watch over me. And you would think I would listen to the voice all the time, right? But God speaks. And that's the beauty of, of, of Hebrews is, 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 is God has been speaking throughout history. And if I just pause right here, put the mic down, we can have confession, prayer, and praise because there's so many examples in the room of people who could say, yeah, I do remember this one time, God spoke to me. And if you are a person that's like, God speaks? I never had that experience. 
We invite you into it. We invite you to seek God, not to test God and say, well, I dare you to speak to me at 2 p.m. on Thursday. No, I don't do that. But we do invite you to challenge God to say, God, if you are real, I want to hear from you. If you are real, God, I want you to speak to me. If you are real, open up my ears so that I can hear your voice. We trust that he'll respond. I got all off my notes, y'all, but God is good. Amen. And so, uh, and so in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times in very in many ways. Hey, he's establishing a, a pattern of God speaking. We know God spoke through visions. We know God spoke through prophets, folks saying things that they had no idea what they're, what they're saying, but God convicts their hearts to be courageous and speak to people. We know God spoke in theophanies where, where you got a bush that's burning and now his voice is speaking to you. And this writer is trying to give you the resume of God saying, okay, now we know he's done it. We already know how God moves. We already know his voice is powerful. We all good on that, right? And they're like, right, right? Okay, we know God's voice move and that he's powerful, right? right? Right, you know, so that's what the Hebrew author just experienced. And he's building this case so that they can see this, this connection from the Old Testament. And then he says in verse 2, he says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son in whom he appointed heir of all things and through him and through whom also he made the universe. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things. I am. I'm I'm grateful that 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 we get a chance to see like like different kingdoms and different governments and different positions. And you get the chance to understand like historic moments like Kamala Harris as vice president, then, you know, Queen of England and and presidents. And you, you don't, though, being American with so many freedoms, we don't understand the the gravity of what an heir is. Well, some of y'all might. I mean, we might have a, a rich heiress among us, and y'all just keeping it secret. Don't skip the tab basket on your way out. Um, you know, but, but, but what's inherent within an heir is that there is something passed on to you. That there is something that you are going to possess. That there is an authority that you will inherit. We get to see this beautiful, this beautiful image that, that the son is the heir of all things because all things belong to God. And so we're getting this image, this connection of God having all things. And guess who's getting that? Guess who's going to be the one that, that receives that? Guess who has all of that displayed in him? Jesus, because of who his father is. This resume is one that's being built up to help us all see that Jesus is super unique. 
that the Old Testament was amazingly good, that there are a past lineage of great prophets, a past lineage of, of angels doing some amazing things, a past lineage of, of God even speaking through bushes and a variety of things, and that it's all good, but that Jesus is better. And so the thread that's going to constantly be made as we go through Hebrews is good, better, good, better. Or as our sister who uh, picked out those amazing songs, thank you, sweetie, good, great, how great is our God. The sun is the the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word in verse 3. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty. There's one other beautiful thing I wanted to make sure I didn't, I didn't miss. Yeah. There's this... this uh, wrestling through radiance. You see, in, in that day, in that era, people would look at the sun, and the sun would be worshipped. People would say the sun has provided all things unto us. And so people have tried to use this image to say, oh, well, Christians are just playing off of the sun god, as if God was the sun and Jesus was the rays that came off of the sun. So they're saying radiance. But see, that, that misconstrues the oneness between Jesus and God. Jesus is not just like the rays that come off. Jesus is the essence of who God is, like the very representation of God, the, your ability to even see something that would manifest as God can only be done in Jesus. And so it's almost as like if, you, if, 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 if the sun was unseeable, if the sun was invisible, if you could not fathom what the sun felt, looked like, but you could only feel the rays of heat, and then one day, it's there. That's a more adequate explanation of, of Jesus being the radiant glory of God. All that God is in visual sight comes to fruition in Jesus. It's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. I mean, it would be hard to wrap your mind around if you were listening to this, if you were reading this, if you were grasping this for the first time. You mean to tell me more than a burning bush? You mean to tell me Ezekiel? Hold up, Moses? Like, like you, do you remember the radiant glory that came off of Moses and you telling me a, a face be more beautiful than that? Yes, good, solid, better, great. And why do we need that? We need that today because we are tempted. We are tempted to hold on to the different aspects of our life that, that, that we see as pillars of the faith that are greater than Jesus. I'll give you some examples. Uh, I remember... When I was uh, uh, like watching over a youth group, and um, and and we were really trying to emphasize abstinence, really trying to say like, "Hey, preserve yourself, like 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 
God will bless you if you like just just choose Christ over uh, bodily desires. And and our goal of abstinence, the end goal was 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 God would bless you. And and it and it ended up with like some of these youth and even some of us as leaders like like having like Jesus be enough. Abstinence blesses you. And so we kind of put before people actions versus a heart. And that's not unique to just abstinence. We can do that with money. All right, now, give this certain amount. It demonstrates how sacrificial you really are, how much you really trust Jesus. If you trust him enough, you'll give everything, and then he's going to bless you. Well, he might. But is the goal a, a, am I building my faith up on, on giving? Am I building my faith up on my sacrifice? Am I building my faith up on him showing up? Or am I building my faith up on who he is? And one of the fruits of me walking with who he is is me giving back. It's me giving to him. You see, it may not look like me building my faith on Moses. It may not look like me trusting in the prophets, but today we can subtly begin to be lured. Don't start talking about politics, pastor. It's too early. We ain't in November yet. Don't start. But does my political affiliation and how I see the gospel through the lens of my political affiliation begin to be something that I... There's so many aspects that rise up and want us to take our focus off of Christ. Even good things. And don't hear me bash Republicans and Democrats because I believe God can use all areas. Libertarians and what's the other party? I don't remember. Sorry, y'all too small. Y'all going to get there. Um, but, but God can use it all. But the question is, where is our focus? What is our aim? Who is the radiant, glorifying expression of who God is in our lives? And that is where we beeline. Why? Because he has demonstrated that he sustains all things by his powerful word. His powerful word. I... um. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get my style game up a little bit. He don't know this yet. I'm gonna have Pastor K give me a little influence. I'm gonna get my hat game right. I'm, I'm not there yet with with Edith. Y'all know Edith rocked the hats like crazy, but I'm gonna get there. My, I'm going so great that I need to cover up a little bit. Um, I'm trying to get the shoe game from Hannah and Lael, and you know I'm I'm, I'm about I'm gonna get right. But you and I both know. That, that the way you dress is, is an expression of your style. There's certain things that you wear. There's certain times that you put on a, an outfit and, and you're like, okay, that's me right there. That look, I'm, I'm killing it with this one. It's okay, you can say that. I'll let you say that. And, 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 and has it happened to you like it's happened to me where every now and then, I wear something and I see another person with the exact same thing on. What is wrong with them? Who said they can shop at Target? 
wearing the exact same thing as me. But see, that, that, that is how we understand this connection that the Hebrew author is making. He's saying, no, 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 no. It's not that God in the Old Testament was so different and then Jesus is someone new that steps on the scene. He is the exact representation, the exact mimicking. You move like this and you would see an exact image like he, this Christ, reflects God in every style, every pattern, every thread. And it is now visible right before us. But I love that, that he, he builds on things that go back to Genesis chapter 1. He uses a, a term that says uh, he's sustaining all things by his powerful word. By his powerful word, by him, him speaking. He says... Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, excuse me, my scroller isn't going as fast as I would like. He says with his word, he says, let there be light. And there was light in verse 3. Verse 5, God says, I'm going to call this light day and darkness night. Verse 6, God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water Verse 9, God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. When God speaks, when his voice goes forth, creation happens. There is no other entity by which, yeah, we're given the authority to do some naming and little stuff, but my voice didn't create something out of nothing. This is showing an authority, a power, a majesty, and he's equating that. With Jesus, saying Jesus's voice sustains all things. All things have been created through it and are sustained by it. And so this Hebrew writer is trying to, to help us see the magnitude of who Jesus is. Because when uh, in understanding that, then you can understand his power. You can understand his ability to handle some things that was beyond our realm of power, like sin, like our ability to deal with sin. It says that after he had provided purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of, magi the, right hand of the majesty in heaven. And I'm excited in further chapters to delve into sin because we're going to talk about the priestly function of, of Jesus and how he deals with sin on our behalf. But in addition to understanding how he deals with sin, he wants to make sure that we understand the, the beautiful imagery and authority that Jesus has. Um, I got a, a, a couple of kids, and, uh, and, and, and in our car, I'd say, when we all drive together, 90% of the time, I'm the one driving. And occasionally, if my wife was like, you know, we had a little baby, and she wanted to get back there with them and make sure they was all cool. Like, occasionally, my wife would ride in the back. But 90% of the time, when I'm riding in the front, guess who riding in the front right seat? Mama. And it actually looks weird, 
And this happened to me a few times with some friends when, like, I'm, we pick up a friend and they go and they're going to put my wife in the back. What? My wife ain't sitting in the back, dude, getting drunk. You know what I'm saying? Like, like. But, but there, there's just an assumption that, like, this seat is going to be next to me. This seat, there's a, there's a, because of the relationship, there's a proximity, and, and it's just a simple understanding where, where, where God is saying everyone throughout these kingdoms understood there was a king, and then to their right was a position of authority. And he's saying this God who has the ability to forgive sin, to purify you from sin, who is connected to a long line of God showing up and showing out. This God is sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And now it resets you. It resets you. It, it makes you say what I'm going through, what I'm being stretched in, what I'm being challenged in, this God has entered into. This God who I submitted to, is he stronger than the challenge that I'm experiencing? That's what the Hebrew writer wants them to wrestle with, and that's what this text wants us to wrestle with. Is this God greater than our situations? Well, one of the examples that, that was the clearest of day for those people was miracles. Miracles are something that'll wake you up. Miracles are something that'll shock you. I never forget Rebecca and I um, befriended some friends from India, and uh, I had never like experienced any type of miracles. Um, and as we talked to them, they said, "Yep, like our parents prayed for us every day before we left, and it was without question that if they forgot to pray or if something happened where they didn't pray, like." We would be attacked by, um, let's say, bulls. Uh, um, uh, we have been in communities where a person was literally dead, and miraculously someone was raised. Like we have had de demon possession. Like she listened, listed things. Now, you know, I grew up on Burger King, Pizza Hut. I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm sitting here like. But as I had a chance and as we had a chance to walk with these girls for a few years and we saw their character, we saw them living out the gospel, it's like, no, 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 like what they're saying, I now believe. I believe that they witnessed these things. And in the Old Testament, people had angel experiences. Angels are messengers of God sent to bring the gospel or sent to intervene in our situations. And in the Old Testament, angels were highly revered. How can you lift up someone higher than the than, than people who can come in and do the miraculous? I mean, it's like, okay. This, this, is, the, this is like the, the height of the faith. Moses and angels. And what happens in verses 5 through 14 is the writer is trying to say, and Jesus, this Jesus that you submitted to, this Jesus you agreed to follow, he's even greater than those that could perform a miracle. He's even greater than the messenger sent from God. He's even greater than 
one who was sent to watch over and care for humans. And I love how he kind of puts angels in their place. Though beautiful, spiritual, and angelic, he says, uh, and let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of justice will be your scepter of your kingdom. There's a great distinction. Angels don't get your throne, O God, will last forever. And lastly, towards verse 13, he says, to which of the angels did I ever say, sit at my right hand? This is your spot of authority. To which of them did I ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool to your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Church family, this Jesus is having a case being built by this author. He's saying, whatever it is that you may have built your faith on, I want to raise it. It was good. This Jesus is great. There's a song that's an, an old song that many people have redone. And uh, this is one of them times, y'all, where y'all just going to have to pray for pastors. I can, I can get that voice so I can just break out and start singing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, come on. Where one of y'all just lay the hands, lay the hands on the, on the larynx. <laughs> come on. But there's this, there's this song called Jesus at the Center. And I want you to hear these lyrics. It says, Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From the beginning to the end, it will always be, it has always been you. Jesus, Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Because Jesus, you're the center. Everything revolves around you. Jesus, you, at the center of it all, at the center of of it all. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we are grateful. We are grateful for the many that have sung that, from Israel and New Breed to um, so many groups that have sang that song. Lord, would you allow that to be our heart song, that you're at the center, and that we can hear the Hebrew writer. It can be easy to check out and be like, well, no, nah, I, don't, I don't wrestle with, you know, Christian notoriety. I don't care about, you know, I don't, I don't build my faith on John Piper or Tim Keller or Tony Evans. Like, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm only about Jesus. But some of us do struggle, Lord. Some of us do struggle with building our, our lives on money. Some of us do struggle with building our, our lives on our physical abilities, Lord, whether it's our health, Lord, whether it's relationships. We build our lives on our marriage, build our lives on our children, build our lives on our, our home, our, our, our so many things, Lord. That could be the internal testing. This community was tested externally as well. Persecution, trials, challenges was coming their way. 
And I believe one of the ways that we get challenged today is through apathy. We've got so many ways, so many opportunities to do nothing, to sit and toil our thumbs and just enjoy someone else on a screen or on a stage and do nothing. Help us, Lord, as I believe that's one of the main persecutions of the church today in America. It's comfort. Break us out of being comfortable, Lord, and help us to be able to depend on Thee and that Your voice, Your voice would lead and guide us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, we are a, uh, a church that believes God's in control. We believe that uh, miracles still happen today. And one of those miracles is a person going from a life built upon themselves where they are in control to getting saved and Jesus taking control. You, you now being saved and say, I submit to God's leading. That don't happen on your own. That's a miraculous act of God taking a, a mallet and just chipping away at a broken dead heart, reviving it. Today we offer revival. We offer new life. We offer an opportunity for you to be able to submit to someone leading, not just a friend, someone to your right or your left, not just to me, but ultimately submitting to Jesus leading your life. These verses we've read are examples of why Jesus should earn that role creator of all things, sustainer of all things, keeping it together. But we don't do a good job, y'all, of keeping it together. And so let Jesus lead you. Trust me, he will guide you and care for you better than you ever could. If you would like to do that, simply say this prayer with me. Lord, I believe in you. I know that I've messed up, and I know I'm not perfect, but I believe you are good, and I believe you are perfect, and so I want to submit to you. Please forgive me for the sin or the wrong that I've done, and allow me to live according to your ways. I trust you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love for you to come up for come forward um, at any time towards the end of service. Uh, I will be up front or Pastor Kay will be up front. Uh, you can just pull one of us to the side and say, I want to live for Jesus. Uh, and we want to be a church body who want to walk with you in that and see you doing that. Um, and also sometimes it's not necessarily coming to faith. Sometimes it's rededicating your life to faith of, you know what? Like, I know it in my head, but I haven't tried to live it, and I want to take that step, Lord, to live this gospel thing, this Jesus thing out. We're now going to uh, continue in our time of worship. Uh, where Oh, and, and if you're at home, too, make sure at home you reach out to us. The number is 313-444-0036, or you can email us at mail, M-A-I-L, at macav.com. If you have just said, I love Jesus, I'm about to, I want to live for him, this community wants to be 
in your corner, celebrate you, and see you grow. There's nothing greater than being able to celebrate folks living for Jesus. Um, we now are going to, uh, like I said, continue in worship.